February 5th marks the 35th anniversary of one of the most memorable angles in wrestling history. An angle that had Hulk Hogan seeing double. There's two out there! Yes, the famous twin referee angle with brothers Earl and Dave Hepner that took place on the inaugural episode of Main Event with Andre the Giant pinning WWF champion Hulk Hogan. It would also mark Earl Hepner's WWF debut on February 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 35 years to the day, Ad-Free Show's members will get the opportunity to watch back this historic moment live alongside Earl Hepner in our latest premium watch-along event. All $29 level members and higher are invited, and Top Guy members will get to come up and ask Earl questions. Reserve your seat by signing up today at adfreeshows.com. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us here at Strictly Business. As you may notice, I'm flying solo today. Well, for a few moments anyway, because my uh, my partner, John Alba, I think he told me yesterday he was going to Tampa on business, but I found out a little bird told me that there's a, a kickoff tour for Bruce Springsteen going on in Tampa, which is where, coincidentally, Mr. Alba is headed. So, uh, by the way, I hope that's the case. I'd do it, too. So without any further ado, I want to talk to a guy that I know knows all about story. If you've been following social media at all, I think you've probably seen a lot of the same comments that I have, that being that the Roman Reigns bloodline, Sami Zayn storyline has been one of the best ones people have seen, I don't know, in a long, long time. So to break it down, because admittedly I haven't seen it all the way through, but a guy that I know that has and can break down a story better than anybody I know, Mr. Tom DeShane. Tom, come on in. Hey, all right. Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate the invitation. It's always a pleasure to be here on Strictly Business. Always a pleasure to be with you. And always a pleasure to be talking about professional wrestling and storytelling, my two passions in life. <laughs> so, I, you know, I mentioned briefly, um, a little bit of a disclaimer, I have not been following that story closely. I did watch it um, yesterday. I watched that match. I didn't watch the entire Royal Rumble, but I did watch that match. I really dug the finish, but I'd like to hear from you because I know you followed that story. Why you think fans are reacting to it as strongly and positively as they are? Well, I'm going to give you a, a simple answer first and then a little bit more of a complicated answer. The simple answer is all we've ever wanted is just good, compelling television. And I think that there are a lot of people who have been watching professional wrestling, especially since the end of the Monday Night Wars, that have kind of been missing that, especially from the WWE product. You know, it's something that maybe after ECW and, and WCW were no more, there really wasn't much competition anymore. And then the storylines uh, maybe weren't mattering as much as, uh, as some of the skits and vignettes and, and different things that we were seeing out of WWE uh, uh, booking. So the fact that we've been blessed with this great long-term story, this is what we've been wanting for so long, especially longtime fans, folks who remember what the storylines were like in the late 80s and the golden era, you know, of the NWA and Crockett and, and WWF, uh, but then also fans from the Attitude Era who remember what it was like when you had the NWO storyline on one television show and then you flip the channel and you've got Austin versus McMahon on the other channel. This is what we've been yearning for for so long, and this is what we've gotten. Uh, and, uh, you know, from a more complicated 
uh, sort of answer to sort of break it down a little bit too. What we're seeing here is real long-term storytelling that's ticking all the boxes of classic storytelling. We have compelling characters. We have twists and turns. We have logical, episodic, uh, uh, you know, uh, development of characters and of the story, great progression. And there have been so many moments uh, following this story that have left me surprised. And I think that too is one of the things that we've really been missing from WWE program programming, especially over the last several years and decades. Uh, so we can break uh, break all this stuff down and get into it. But I'm, I'm super excited to be here with you because I know you are the man behind some of the greatest storylines in wrestling history. So uh, so just being able to break this down with you and go back and forth a little bit on what makes a compelling character, what makes for a compelling storyline, and really why this one in particular has just caught fire. And Tom, one of the things I want to really zero in on before we get too far into the story, because you, you covered some really interesting points that sometimes I think when wrestling fans hear long-term storytelling, to them that means you shoot an angle in January, it kind of floats around, it doesn't really go anywhere, it's, it's active, and then there, there's some kind of a blow-off months down the road and that you know oftentimes with wrestling fans at least that i get social media responses from well that's a long-term story what you just described and the attributes that you assigned to the most recent long-term story in wwe that being the bloodline is some really critical elements along the way you know compelling characters i think we can all pretty much agree what a compelling character is. It's subjective, obviously, but there's other elements that aren't, you know, the one thing that you said was logical, progressive, episodic. I think you said it in one sentence yep. storylines. And to me, that implies a lot more structure and discipline than throwing things up against the wall and just maintaining a story. Talk about the elements if you can, Yeah, if I'm clear that go into the progression of a storyline into an arc. Yeah, well, let's go all the way thousands of years ago to uh, Aristotle and his poetics. For folks who, uh, you know, subscribe to ad-free shows, Eric's been uh, kind enough to have me on to break down some other storylines in the past. And recently, my tag team partner, Dominic D'Angelo, and I, we have uh, some monthly specials that we upload to ad-free shows where we do deep dives. It's called In-Depth, and you can hear us go on for three to four hours breaking down step-by-step step the storylines of the mega powers, which in my mind is still the number one greatest uh, uh, story of all time in pro wrestling. But we also break down the NWO storyline. We break down classic sibling, slip, uh, sibling rivalries in pro wrestling. Uh, lots of great breakdowns there. And one of the things that I keep going back to is this isn't anything new. I mean, Aristotle discovered this all the way back in ancient Greece when he sort of laid out the first work of, of, of literary criticism, trying to explain to not only audience members, but also to aspiring playwrights and poets, what goes into making a good story. And there were some key tenets that he put in there. You know, the fact that the poet or author should strive to create fictive works that are, in, uh, that are mimetic. Okay, that means imitative of real life. And I think that's one of the things that certainly resonated with this bloodline storyline. I think we've all been bullied. 
Some of us may have been the bullies in the past. And that storyline that it's a super simple one that's been told with Roman, with his family members, the sort of mental manipulation that's going on, the feelings from Jay Uso that maybe he's, uh, you know, not the man he once thought he was, you know, being uh, being really sort of stripped down of all of his morals and his beliefs and everything. Uh, you know, some really, really compelling storylines there that are very uh, mimetic. And even Sammy's role, Sammy trying to get the attention of the head of the table sammy the guy who was just in the jackass match at wrestlemania uh 38 and was sort of the laughing stock of the industry sort of a mid card to lower card sort of talent at the time trying to get in with the head of the table you know we've all been in those situations where we've tried to hitch our star uh, or wagon to a to a star and so th- just some of those really simple elements are mimetic but also Aristotle said, you know, you have to have stories that have dramatic, uh, you know, sort of logical peripatia. Okay, and peripatia are simply twists and turns, ups and downs, reversals of fate within a story, or as we in pro wrestling would call them, swerves. And I think that's been one of the most uh, sort of rewarding things about this storyline that we've been getting all the way back since the summer of 2020. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But when we talk about long-term storytelling, it is now January of 2023. The story is just getting better and better week after week. And yet this is something that started almost two and a half years ago now, which is just crazy. But the most important element, according to Aristotle, was that a story must progress in a consistent and unified way. And what's fascinating is when we go all the way back to the summer of 2020, and follow this story through the same characters have been in it throughout you know whether it's kevin owens whether it's the you know the the bloodline and the usos and you know uh, uh, uh paul Heyman, whether it's sammy Zayn. and what's fascinating is they've been brushing up against one another over these last several years and now getting to this incredible point where all the pieces are on the chessboard, just in the right place to make this story as compelling as possible and to get us all at the uh, edges of our seats. But we wouldn't be on the edges of our seats if this story hadn't been told logically, episodically, uh, and making sense from episode to episode, week over week, month over month, year over year. And again, just that element alone is something that I've certainly missed uh, in uh, uh, in uh, modern professional wrestling. That's something that I don't think we've seen very logical booking, especially from the WWE for many, many years. So all you got to do is follow Aristotle's poetics, follow those check marks, and you will write a compelling story. And that's what we're seeing being delivered every week on WWE programming when it relates to the bloodline. And interesting that you, and what was the uh, Aristotle's word for swerves? Oh, peripatia, logical peripatia. peripatia. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like Italian food, peripatia. I'll have an order of Perpetia with some vino on the side, please. Oh, man, I haven't had dinner tonight. You're getting me hungry now, Eric. That does sound like a delicious meal. <laughs> but the reason I want to talk about that is swerves are something that we talk, we hear often, you know, about sometimes derisively, you know, when, when someone like a Vince Russo relies too heavily on Perpetia or swerves. But my point really is swerves or peripatia in wrestling can be are a very valuable tool, but you can't use that tool without the logic and the consistency and the progression. Otherwise it's a swerve for the sake of a swerve, right? As opposed exactly. to a swerve. That's part of a much more complex structure. That's 
and each one of those elements within that structure support each other. And you can't have a standalone swerve just for the sake of it without all the other things around it. Agree? Right. Agree. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons, uh, the sort of uh, implicit uh, relationship that happens when you pick up a book and open the cover and start reading the first pages, or when you start watching the first few minutes of a television show, is as a viewer, you are trusting the storyteller that they're going to take you on a fun ride and that you're going to be satisfied and you're going to be told one heck of a story and you're almost going to lose yourself in uh, uh, in all the excitement and the adventure. You lose that trust very quickly if you're seeing that the story isn't progressing logically and if it's just swerve, swerve, you know, squirrel over here, this over there, and then boom, this happens and then that happens. If it's just a bunch of noise, that isn't compelling. And you almost lose trust in the storyteller's ability to tell you a compelling storyline that will build over time. Uh, So, yeah, that's why uh, Aristotle didn't just say peripatia. He said logical peripatia. So that is incredibly important. And, and you're, you're right on the money, Eric. And when we look back at the NWO storyline, when we look at, back at the mega powers uh, exploding, when you look back at Austin versus McMahon and some of these great stories, uh, I'd, I'd say probably the, the last great story that we had uh, was maybe a little over 10 years ago with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and their story that was told over a number of years uh, that really culminated at WrestleMania 26. Um, but you look back at any of those storylines, and those are storylines that progressed over the course of many months and sometimes years years and it was step by step it kept growing it kept building but it also kept you on the edge of your seat Uh, and i think that's one of the important things the the sort of chef's kiss for me this past saturday night at the royal rumble was not necessarily what happened between sammy and roman we knew that was coming we, we, we anticipated that that was going to be coming and that maybe we were going to get to see it that night. And that's why after such a compelling long-term story, it got the reaction that it did when it happened because we all knew this was coming and they delivered on it perfectly. But the thing that really excited me was Jay Uso's reaction. I was expecting that the Usos were going to just jump in line and that Jay was going to start beating down uh, Sammy, just like Jimmy, just like Solo, uh, just like Roman. And yet the fact that he sort of collapsed into the corner and started crying and just left the ring as a viewer who has trusted this storyline now for many years, I was just like, Ooh, that's good. Where is this going? What's going to happen now? You know, is Jimmy going to, you know, choose his brother over uh, his cousin? Is Jimmy and uh, going to join Jay? And are they going to align with Sammy now as Solo and Roman, uh, you know, and, and Paul try to salvage what's left? Uh, is Who knows what's happening? That's what I love about this. So it's one of those things where we know what's going to happen, but at the same time, they surprise you here and there with some things that you didn't even see coming. But again, this is logical. For folks who go back and look at main event Jay Uso back in the, uh, you know, the late 2020, uh, early 2021, uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of storylines that the WWE was telling, 
Jay didn't want anything to do with his scumbag cousin, Roman Reigns. Jay wanted to be on his own. Jay wanted to be out there fighting for the gold. And it wasn't until Roman started to play mind games with Jay that he really stripped him of all his dignity and almost beat him down like a dog, not just physically in the ring twice at two different pay-per-view main events, but also mentally. I mean, this is sort of, you know, Game of Thrones sort of stuff. When you think of Ramsey Bolton and how he ended up manipulating uh, Theon Greyjoy who became Reek, who was so uh, sort of uh, manipulated mentally and just destroyed that he became a puppet. I mean, this goes back to Shakespeare. We always talk about it. You know, that's what my degree is in. Um, you know, what's been so compelling here as well is this idea of sort of... What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Gray characters. You know, we don't quite know in this storyline who is good and who is bad and who we should be rooting for and who we shouldn't be rooting for. I think we can all safely say now that Roman Reigns is bad. He is a bad guy. And I think what makes him such a good bad guy is, you know, kind of like Ric Flair. Everyone said Ric Flair was such a great heel because he could beat you without needing to cheat. But he was the dirtiest player in the game and was going to cheat anyway. You know, so he was one of those sort of cowardly guys that could beat you no matter what. But still, he was going to cheat to win just because he could and just because he liked to and just because he was good at it. With Roman, Roman can beat you, but he's not only going to beat you physically. He's going to beat you down mentally and torment you. And that is callbacks to, to like Edmund and King Lear or Iago in, uh, uh, in Othello. These really manipulate, uh, manipulative characters who get inside the minds of their, uh, well, I was going to say their enemies, but also their allies and really almost serve as puppet masters to get people to do their bidding. So, I mean, this is this is Shakespearean sort of stuff that we're seeing on television here. Because there is no better seafood in the world than Jimmy's. Famous, I mean, effing famous seafood. And the beauty is you can go to jimmysfamousseafood.com, put in your order, and on any order over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items, you can get free two-day nationwide shipping by using the promo code WrestleBiz. And what am I talking about? This is the best stuff in the world. Maryland crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks, desserts, gluten-free items. If you want to pick and choose, you can do that. If you want to pick their packages, well, they've got some fantastic ones, uh, including four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce, or even the tailgate bundle, the NFL playoffs, the postseason getting underway, Eric, two pounds of wings, full rack of ribs, pint of crab dip, crab cake mix, you can create your own package. I know you got that rec tech there. Maybe fire it up, get those ribs on there. Not too shabby, right? Good, good, good package deal there. Good package deal. And I tell you what, if you want to be hitman in your neighborhood, not be a hitman like in a mafia hitman, but I mean, if you want to be a hit man in your neighborhood, then yeah, order yourself a bunch of Jimmy's famous seafood, have some neighbors over, throw that stuff on a table, and people will be people will be writing stories about you in the local newspaper. 
jimmysfamousseafood.com. Use that promo code WrestleBiz. Again, you get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125 or more. I've had family members take advantage of this deal. It was absolutely fantastic. I even got to get in on some of the fun, which always benefits me in a good way. So WrestleBiz, W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z. Just plug that code in at jimmysfamousseafood.com and take care of yourself. Eat good. I promise you, it will be worth your time. And we thank Jimmy's Famous Seafood for sponsoring Strictly Business every single week. You know what's kind of cool as you're going through that and you're talking about these big stories. You're going back to the mega powers and, you know, NWO and Mr. McMahon and Austin. And, you know, those those big beats, the, the, the span of time between those memorable stories is, you know, they only happen every once, six, eight, ten years. And we know them off the top of our head. Yeah. How many stories have been presented on television in prime time every week for the last 30 years on television? But those are the ones that stand out. And, oh, coincidentally, they had a well-developed, logical, progressive (laughs) storyline and with sufficient swerves along the way to keep you on the edge of your seat it's like when you hit and funny you know i came up with storyline anticipation you know reality surprise and action my acronym sarsa this is a different acronym but but when a story well i used to say this all the time whenever i would do a mental check not having your education by any stretch i was learning as i went but i just knew that if i could check all five of those boxes I'm printing money for the next three years. Right. Four of those out of the five boxes was going to be pretty good, but I'd only give it about 90 days. Three out of five was a C story. Two out of five, I'd have a re I'd do a rewrite hmm. because it's a waste of time. And in your case, I think as, as you're laying out those elements and you're pointing out the fact that those major stories that are part of their iconic stories, but so many other stories that didn't have those qualities have just gone through the sewage pipe and off they go to exactly. never, Neverland. Nobody remembers them. And it occurred to me as you're laying all that out and you're describing, you know, what makes a great story and how it's based with Aristotle and Shakespeare is that I don't think fans, including me of any form of entertainment, but especially wrestling, including wrestling, we don't know what's missing when it's not there. We just know it's not good or it's not compelling enough to keep us coming back. It's subconscious. You just, it's like going and you listen to a high school band practicing, you know, a rock band, a bunch of kids get together and, you know, play in their garage and they're hitting all the notes. The notes are there, but it's just not that good. And how is it that you can hit notes, but it still isn't that good? And that's that's where I think when you have a well-crafted, disciplined story, you don't know that it's a well-crafted, disciplined story. You just know you dig it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. This is something, I mean, storytelling goes back to the dawn of humanity. You know, the storytelling is how we pass down history. Storytelling is how we taught lessons to our young. This is in every culture uh, across the globe. Uh, And what's fascinating is when you track like mythology, mythology is pretty similar in all these different regions of the world, even though these people never interacted with one another 
for generations and centuries after these stories were first written. So there are certain elements that are just inborn and, and sort of programmed in our brains as humans. So you're right. You don't need, uh, you know, uh, an English degree or a major from a fancy, you know, uh, uh, Ivy League school or anything to know what's good and what isn't. You might not be able to break it down and, and know, oh, that's that's peripatia, although we taught some <laughs> folks that, that term today. But you know what's good. You resonate it. You feel it within yourself as a human. You feel it. That's what you yeah. do. That's, That's it important. right there is you feel it just like when you, f you feel, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan playing a guitar versus anybody yeah. else. That's really good. Exactly. It and feels different. And that's how this story feels. And I mean, all you have to do is simply go back and watch, uh, you know, what happened when Sammy finally hit Roman with that chair at the Royal Rumble. That crowd exploded. And I think for a lot of people, as someone who has been at a live wrestling show and who has popped, uh, you know, at an exciting moment, I think that was pretty involuntary for so many people because it was just, it was so inborn that they just, before they even knew it, they were out of their seat and jumping up and down and shouting after seeing that, uh, that moment happen. You're right. It, it just, it resonates so much with us, uh, you know, when a good story is told and when a good story climaxes. And I think what's so exciting for me is the action in some ways is still rising. You know, so when you look at how a story is created, you know, we're still seeing, uh, you know, rising action here, especially coming out of the Royal Rumble. We're probably not going to know what this climax is, how this story ends for several more weeks now, or this is something that they've got gas in the tank that could go for many more months. Uh, we know that at WrestleMania, uh, Roman is going to be fighting Cody. We know that there's a great story there already that's built in uh, with Cody, you know, his, his whole theme being there's more than one royal family in professional wrestling. So there's still this story of family and, and blood and what that means. Will will Sammy align himself uh, with uh, with with Cody? Will Sammy and KO go off to fight Solo and Jimmy? And where's Jay? Is he caught in the middle? How does Dwayne the Rock Johnson play into this? You know, we I know a lot of people were hoping that Dwayne would come back to fight Roman at some point. Maybe that's still down the line, but maybe we could have him as a uh, uh, as a, a special guest referee or an enforcer at WrestleMania or something like that. And I think one of the areas of opportunity that's still left uh, for them to explore if they want to is the lore around this where there are so many you know wrestling legends in that Anawa'i family that they could you know go to to you know uh, Afa and Sika's home you know they could potentially bring in Naomi I mean Naomi feel the glow I love Naomi as a face but how much more compelling of a character could she be if she was there on Jimmy's side and maybe now she's trying to help Jimmy decide who do we want to align with do we want to align with Roman or do we want to align with Jimmy? I mean, there's still so much, uh, you know, juice in the in the berry, so to speak. Lots of great opportunity here. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can tell from just the way I'm talking off here. Running <laughs> off my mouth, but I am excited about this story. I haven't felt this. I way don't know how you remember all this stuff, but tell me, I want to. I can't help this, man. And I'm I'm usually the first guy when people start fantasy booking. I kind of tag out because it's not my thing. But listening to you and your enthusiasm, which is addictive contagious i should say um and you talked about earlier about roman not not only beating you physically but beating you mentally yeah and now we got rock floating around out there and everybody's subconscious or conscious we don't know where he's gonna land we're hoping he was gonna show up at rumble but he didn't 
We don't know if he's going to show up at WrestleMania. He's a big-time movie star, highest-paid actor on, on the planet. It's not like he can just drop whatever he's doing in the middle of a movie. And all of the other complications, including insurance, that comes along with something like that. But let's just say, and I'm, now I'm fantasy booking here, but let's just say Rome, uh, Rock can't participate. And it, it's Cody and it's Roman. Just the fact that Rock would show up and sit at ringside yeah. and stare a hole through Roman Reigns, never have to lift a finger, never have to get out of his chair, and now we're reversing one of Roman's greatest attributes, his strength is his ability to get inside your head. Mm -hmm. All it will take is a look from Rock and a wink to Cody and a smile on Cody's face. And at that point, 50% of Roman's power has been decimated by the mere presence of the rock. I love it. I love it. See, this is, uh, this is what's so exciting about professional wrestling. I still attest to this day as someone who has, you know, studied the greatest works of literature and who has seen performances at Shakespeare's theater in London at the globe. To me, there is no better, more exciting form of storytelling and live action and live drama theater than professional wrestling when it's done right. When pro wrestling is at its best, there is nothing else that gives you the emotions that a great wrestling storyline does, that gives you the goosebumps that a great wrestling storyline does, that literally has you jumping out of your seat involuntarily, uh, you know, because of uh, the things that you see happening in front of you. That is what's so compelling. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, just a second ago, too, you know, Dwayne being uh, uh, one of the biggest movie stars in the world and the celebrated actor. I see that that must be something that, pardon the pun, but runs in the bloodline uh, because I have been so impressed with the performances by the Usos, particularly Jay. I've been so impressed by Roman. You know, I think one of the things that really helped Roman looking back on uh, uh, his sort of heel turn at the end of 2020, when he really started to play this more, uh, you know, maniacal, manipulative, cold-blooded character was the fact that it was happening in the Thunderdome era. And so it allowed Roman to talk more softly into the microphone, kind of Jake the Snake style, which really made you as a viewer have to lean in and listen to Roman. And I think, you know, having his character introduced in that setting when he was doing in-ring promos and able to speak a little bit more softly and a little bit more, you know, heart to heart to his cousin. Jay Uso, I think I think that was really uh, compelling as well. And Sammy, when Sammy started crying at the end of the uh, um, trial of Sammy Zayn at Raw 30 just a few weeks ago, I mean that got me misty-eyed. He looked so real, and that right there again, this gets back. This is a little bit more drama now than storytelling. But when you look back at what made Shakespeare so great, he told these great stories, but they were performed by great actors. But back in those days. Only men were allowed to be actors in Elizabethan England. So, I mean, when you imagine a guy like me, potentially dressed up as Juliet, I mean, <laughs> that can be pretty hard to believe. So these have to be some really good actors for you to, to buy in and to sort of lose yourself. And that's what's happened every time these, uh, these wrestlers have gotten on screen for me. Sami Zayn, I believe it. Jay Uso, I believe it. Roman, I believe it. 
Paul Heyman is just incredible to me, how he continues to play. I love this new gimmick of his, the wise man, you know, from the advocate to the wise man. It's just, you know, these are compelling, and maybe now I'm getting too fanboyish, but I mean, submit this for the Emmys, potentially, you know, these, these are like really great live performances. These guys don't get multiple takes like you would on an episode of Better Call Saul. These guys are out there performing live, just like Shakespeare and his crew, just like the Athenians back in, the, in Aristotle's day. And they are delivering incredible performances week after week in front of a live audience. And it is just truly the epitome of television, live action theater, storytelling, you name it, they are ticking the boxes right now. I was going to ask you, where do you see it going? But we've kind of touched on it a little bit, and we know that we don't know where it's going to go because there's nope. so many opportunities for it to go in so many great directions. None of them are bad. They're all good. Which one is it going to be? You know, that's where we're at. And that's that's part of the exciting thing. I think, you know, what's great is I don't think anyone can necessarily anticipate where this is going. But as I talked about before, you know, we knew when this story started, either Sammy was going to turn on Roman eventually in the bloodline or vice versa. The bloodline was going to turn on Sammy. So we knew what was coming. And yet still, they told such a compelling story that it kept us with them all along. And I mean, this, we talked about Juliet a second ago. When you think of Romeo and Juliet, in the first eight lines of the play, in the prologue, before the play even begins, Shakespeare spoils it for us. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventurous piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parent strife. Okay, Man! Why, why am I sitting through this the next two hours of this play if you just told me what's going to happen? Uh, you know, this is one of those things that the best storytellers, they can do that. They can do that. They can plant the seeds and already, even though we all knew when this story began that one was going to turn on the other, we just didn't know how it was going to happen. And we went along for the ride. And, you know, it worked for Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet is probably the most famous work of literature ever created. And, you know, it's working here for uh, for Sami Zayn and Roman and the bloodline. We all knew what was coming, but we didn't know how we were going to get there. We didn't know how it was going to happen. Just like in Romeo and Juliet, you don't know. You know how it ends, but you don't know uh, what happens along the way. And this is what a compelling story can do. It can really, really, even though you know the ending, and again, the ending is kind of inborn in all of us for some of these basic stories, these mythological stories. Uh, but it's how you get there. It's it basically, it's the journey, not the It's the journey. You know, it's, I'm, I'm smiling as you, I mean, I'd love riffing with you. This It's so <laughs> much fun Be, for two reasons. Um, number one, it's, it reminds me of a meeting I had with a guy by the name of Benny Medina. Benny Medina used to be a talent manager in Hollywood. He also had his own production company. He managed some, some chick named Jennifer Lopez and a couple other big pop stars, but he also had a production company that was pretty, pretty successful. And my partner at the time, Jason Hervey and I had a meeting one day with Benny and, um, some of his staff because we were pitching them an idea. We, we came up with the idea, but it was a music-based idea. 
and we felt that his production company would be better suited to produce it than ours. We were mostly goofy reality, celebrity reality, celeb reality, they used to call it. Celebrity anyway, took the meeting, and this was the first time I'd ever met Benny Medina, heard all about him, heard his reputation, powerful guy, Hollywood at the time. And we sat down, and he goes, let me ask you a question. In your in, in whatever you're presenting to me here, does the end hang on the beginning? And Jason and I just looked at each other like, what? <laughs> and he knew. He knew he'd confuse us. And then he, then he went on to tell us why every project that he does, however he goes about it, he always looks at it from the perspective of, when I tell this story, the end has to hang on the beginning, which is Kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. And another perfect example, perfect example of something contemporary. Lori and I, Mrs. B, just started watching White Lotus. Heard about it, got some award, HBO, right? Not generally my cup of tea for that, typically, for that kind of, that genre. But we wanted to check it out because we heard so much about it. And it's a very unique series. And now I'm hooked. Like, I can't get the needle out of my arm. Really? Oh, wow. Fortunately, we had, I, didn't, I didn't learn about it until after we had two seasons available to stream. So now we're every, every single night, seven nights a week. We're going to burn through it in another two days. <laughs> season one and season two. But what's unique about it is the setting is in a high-end resort in season one. High-end resort uh, somewhere in Mexico or Hawaii. Yeah, I think Hawaii. I can't remember. Yeah, it was Hawaii. A, it's a Four Seasons Resort, but they call it the White Lotus. White Lotus. <laughs> and in the opening scene of episode one of White Lotus, there's a body in a casket being loaded onto a plane. And you see this character who is obviously very upset. Young guy. Yep, there it is. Young guy who's very upset looking at this casket being loaded to the plane. So you now you know somebody died. Who is it who killed them or how'd they die? That's the beginning. It's also the very end. It's See, so it. cool. They take you, they show it to you in the beginning and then they take you on the journey and they remind you that they told you in the very beginning, this is how it ends. It's so cool. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's so important. It's so important. And I think, you know, what's, what's really been great about this story too, are the characters. I think, you know, we, for years, and when I say we, I, I speak on behalf of all wrestling fans, <laughs> but I, I know a lot of wrestling fans, uh, you know, really wanted to see Roman Reigns turn heel. I mean, I was at WrestleMania 32. I'm pretty sure that was the one in uh, in Jerry's World down at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, where Roman was fighting, uh, I believe it was Triple H in the, in the main event. And it was just Roman had been pushed down our throats for so long, kind of like what we saw with Cena, that it was one of these things where here you have this badass guy who looks super tough. He's also got like an air of mystery to him. And, you know, he's he's out there in the flak jacket and, and everything like that. And it's like, you don't want to see this guy giving promos where he's saying, well, suffer and succotash. You know, I think that's become one of the famous sort of memes of the last five or 10 years. Here you have, you know, if Stone Cold Steve Boston was coming out, having promos and quoting Dan 
Daffy Duck and not quoting Daffy Duck ironically, but like actually quoting Daffy Duck, like that was part of his usual comebacks to, to, to people. I mean, that just doesn't feel realistic for that character. So when Roman finally became a heel in, you know, in the summer of 2020, I think we were all anticipating that he was going to be, you know, this uh, maybe silent, but deadly silent, but violent, you know, just an ass kicker, which he is. And that's great. But he has been so compelling as a character and his whole dynamic with Paul Heyman has been fascinating because we know who Paul Heyman is. He is the master manipulator. So is he the one that's kind of been manipulating Roman through all of this or has Roman been manipulating him? But they've been together from the start and we get this really, you know, just sort of maniacal sort of character out of Roman that's been so compelling. And I think what's been so compelling, adding Sami Zayn to the mix, again, Sami Zayn came in right after WrestleMania uh, last year after he had, you know, fought Johnny Knoxville and lost, which I know this too is a very uh, divisive match uh, amongst the wrestling community. I loved it. I thought that match was one of the highlights of last year's WrestleMania. We knew going in that this is a promotional thing for Jackass 4 or 5 or 10 or whatever uh, the movie was. We know it was going to be a lot of Gaga, but Sammy just carried that match so well and it was so entertaining and he was such a great performer but coming out of that match I don't think we all saw an upward trajectory for him so he was really sort of uh, you know if we were to rank all the the WWE superstars at the time his power ranking would have been quite low Uh, and what was great about his character was we knew that Sami Zayn at the time was a conspiracy theorist and kind of wacky and you know connecting all these weird dots that maybe weren't there. And so, you know, we know that he's (laughs) sort of a schemer himself. And when he approached Roman for that very first time and said, you're the head of the table, you're the champion around here, but now you're, you know, uh, you're the the universal champion and the world champion. Now you're not just on SmackDown. You're going to have to be on Raw. You really need a guy around here who knows everybody and has got his ear to the ground. And Sammy introduced himself and almost pitched himself to Roman as the most tenured SmackDown superstar. So you need me, Roman, to sort of keep you informed and, and tell you everything that's going on here. Now, we all know that, you know, Sammy is probably just angling to try to hitch his wagon to that star of Roman Reigns. We all know that Sammy is just scheming and he really has no game, but okay, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll let you play. But what's been so compelling about starting Roman off here and starting uh, uh, Sammy off here is the fact that these were both villains at the time. But what made Sammy so enduring? I mean, we saw Sammy, you know, literally trying to manipulate things himself, you know, whispering things into Roman's ear about Jay or about Jimmy or about Paul. And it's been, and it's been subtle. It's not been over the top. Exactly, exactly. And we'll see sometimes where, you know, he gets a moment where Roman approves of something that he did. Yes, all right, cool, it worked. But the whole reason why we as fans have come to appreciate and love and root for uh, Sammy is because he started out so low. And when you look at power differentials and, you know, the relationships that a bully has with, you know, their the, the person that they're picked on, what's really interesting is that the stronger the power difference is, the greater the vulnerability and the greater the risk is 
for those who are sort of down power, who are lower on uh, on the uh, uh, on the ladder. And so that power differential and knowing that Sammy, you know, he's just the fool almost in a Shakespeare play walking into a den of lions. We know that even though he's a bad guy and even though he's ambitious and even though he's angling to try to get in with these. He's still Sammy Zane. Exactly. Now, let me ask you on on that point. And I'm going to go back a little bit of background. I first met Sammy back in 2019 when I was in WWE briefly, and I hit it off with him right away. I just chemistry wise. But internally, without saying anything negative or mentioning names, he was kind of like, uh, you want to work with him? You work with him. I, I can't I can't handle him. He's too high power. He's too da, 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 da. he's always, you know, in that whole conspiracy theory and connecting dots. That's kind of who he is. Right. He's very outspoken. He's very high energy. Um, he's a super talented guy, but you have to have a lot of time on your hands to really have a great conversation with him. Sure. Short conversations don't work. And I like a guy like that, but he was kind of regarded as, eh. so for, on a personal note, I love seeing Sammy Zane, the person yes, kind of keep, digging and digging and sticking with it and persevering and putting up with the politics and the transitions and being kind of a forgotten talent, some, some regards, and then emerging at the top. You couldn't be in a more powerful storyline. One that people will remember probably for the next 10 or 15 years. And for me personally to watch a guy that I know who was regarded as kind of, "Mm, okay, you work with him. Now he's, now he's playing at that highest level says a lot about him as a person as a professional and as a talent. Absolutely. The other point I wanted to make is I've never really dug. I shouldn't say that I've enjoyed watching Roman. I've admired his performance, his characters, consistency, everything about it. But my take on Roman up until rumble was bent. You said it silent, but violent dude. Every guy in America wants to be silent, but violent in real life. We aspire to that consciously or subconsciously. We relate to that consciously or subconsciously. To me, that doesn't make a great heel. To me, that's kind of like a cool-ass baby face that plays a heel or that is a heel, but he's so freaking cool, he doesn't have any heat. Right, right. That's one That's one characterization for Roman. Going back to, to Sammy, just the opposite. Sammy starting down here, as you put it, and Roman starting up here, and Sammy, you know, eating his way up that food chain, so to speak, that's aspirational to the average person because therefore the grace of God go I, meaning you can relate to a guy like Sammy. Yes. Because, exactly. you know, that's where you would be, you know, in that scenario. You could see yourself being Sammy Zane. You can't see yourself being The Rock or being right. Roman Reigns, right? It's kind of hard. Right. Well, when you watch a character like Sammy Zane move his, move his way up, that's aspirational. Now you got Roman who up until, in my opinion, up until Royal Rumble, when he got real heat, he didn't get, I wish I was you heat. He got, I want to see you burn heat. That's yeah. money. Heat. Exactly. I, it, and I look back now and I, I guess I kind of, I admire the story more after listening to you today than I did before, and I've dug it before. So thank you, Tom. I, it's, I can't wait to revisit this whole thing with you 
after WrestleMania. Yes, I was going to say. I hope I have an invitation back where we can uh, where we can look back on everything. And I will say for the uh, subscribers at Ad Free Shows, uh, Dominic D'Angelo and I, we will one day do one of our big three or four hour long deep dives, going through week by week, step by step, all the different twists and turns of this story. Um, but yeah, you're you're right on the money, Eric. You know, uh, when when you look at Roman Reigns, he ascended to a new level. And again, that's the thing with Sammy. You know, Sammy, who was playing with snakes, he was playing with fire. And he got burnt. He got bit this week. And we saw it finally happen. And uh, But again, just that little twist with Jay Uso. Maybe Sammy's not alone after all. We're going to have to wait and see. Brother, appreciate it so much, Sam. I know you're a busy guy. Go knock the hell out of it, and I'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Eric. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.